Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. Consumers are expected to spend more than $200 billion this holiday season, up 4.8% year over year, according to Adobe, despite ongoing concerns around inflation and the economy. For VML YNR Commerce, the focus is on helping its clients get in front of these shoppers in creative ways on their holiday shopping journeys. With the holiday shopping season earlier than ever, thanks in part to annual shopping holidays like Amazon Prime Day and more commerce channels than ever to navigate, brands and retailers are working in a much more complex ecosystem than the days of in-store Black Friday sales. In this episode, Tyler Murray, U.S. CEO of VML YNR Commerce, Chats about how the agency is leaning into creativity in transactional spaces to help clients make the most of the holiday season. He also alludes to the future of commerce at VML, the new entity formed from the merger of VML YNR and Wonderman Thompson. I'm your host, Allison Weisbrot, editor-in-chief of Campaign US, and you're listening to Campaign Chemistry. Hi, Tyler. How are you doing today? Thanks for coming on the podcast. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited uh, to talk to you about some holiday shopping trends. Yes, tis the season indeed. And you are the perfect person to have to talk about holiday shopping season because you are the U.S. CEO of VMLY and our commerce. So before we get into some of those trends, why don't you tell me a little bit about um, your role and your remit and what you kind of do day to day? Yeah, no, appreciate it. So so as you said, Tyler Murray, I lead um, VML Commerce in the U.S. as the CEO we have a bunch of amazing clients like Nestle, Mondelez, Kimberly Clark, General Mills, and a whole bunch of others. Focus a lot on helping a lot of times brands build their business either direct to consumer or through uh, third party marketplaces or retailers like Walmart, Target, Amazon, et cetera. And it ranges everything from planning media to big creative ideas to execution and pretty much anything in between. Who are some of your um, bigger clients that you work with? Yeah, I kind of mentioned a few of them. Um, SE Johnson is one of our largest clients. And so they make brands like Ziploc and Glade. And then we also have you know Nestle and uh, Mondelez. We do a lot of great things with Oreo. A huge, huge focus on CPG for sure is a, is a big group of them. But we also do a lot of performance marketing as well and some other aspects with uh, John Deere, for example, um, and, and different uh, different range of clients across that spectrum. Yeah. So talk a little bit about like the work you do in the commerce specialty, because I know that there's commerce that's sort of more like on the media buying side. And then there's also creative commerce, which I know you guys talk about a lot. So maybe like just give an example of like a a type of campaign that, you know, VML, wine or commerce would do versus maybe like just your typical media or a creative agency? That's a great, great question. Um, and it's funny, whenever we try to go define all the different disciplines within commerce, it ends up being this like massive eye chart that's got, you know, 900 different capabilities on there. Commerce is, as a, as a you know, industry is a very, very wide industry that has a huge number of micro niches within it and tons of different players. Our strength and where we're really focused on is, as you mentioned, is the creative commerce side of it. We really believe that retail is the next great canvas of creativity. We think it's a great place to not only you know drive sales of your brands, but also as a place that you can also build brands today. So we've been on a mission to help the industry really see the creative potential within commerce. Uh, we did a lot of work with Can two years ago to introduce the first creative commerce category within Can. And as such, we've been working with most of the other major awards shows on, on creating that category as well. 
And, um, and so we've also been fortunate enough to, to have one in that category. Uh, so a good example of one that, that did really well last year was for Oreo. It mm-hmm. was called Oreo Codes. The brief was really simple. It was for a regional grocer, Jewel Osco. And the brief was, hey, milk is up and cookies are down. How do we draft off of the, the sales of, of milk? And we had this, you know, brilliant creative who said, you know, if you kind of look at the barcode and you turn it on its side, it looks like a stack of Oreo cookies. And we're like, that's kind of cool. So if you think about it, on every bottle of milk, there already is this iconic image of a stack of Oreo cookies. And so how do we play around with that? So we did this really, you know, fun campaign where consumers could scan any barcode of a milk product that was bought at Jewel Osco, you know, and if it was, you know, the barcode match, it unlocked a special reward and coupon for Oreos. And it was a really simple idea, but it was beautifully executed and it allowed consumers to participate in a really fun way. And it did great. So, you know, I can, it won two gold lions, which is amazing, and a bunch of other awards. And if you add up all the awards for, for this one, you know, what was essentially just a coupon is now Oreo's third most awarded campaign globally of all time, mm. which is quite impressive, right? So, you know, five years ago, no one would really think, hey, regional grocery stores is the place where to go build great creativity. You'd obviously go to places like TBC and print. Um, and so that's the mission that we're on is to how, how do we really unleash the creative potential of, of brands within within retail and it's been a blast. We've we've had it's been a journey. Not you know not all clients really believed in in that possibility, but some did. And so we've really leaned into ones that that have, and and we're starting to see you know really exponential ROI come from retail campaigns that embrace creativity versus those that treat it in as a more transactional place. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think the industry has a tendency to save great creativity for brand building and for yeah. TV and like these more performance transactional moments are, are not always, you know, thought of creatively. So you definitely need to be creative to see a stack of Oreos in in a barcode and and run with that. So very cool. Um, so holidays, obviously one of the biggest shopping times of the year. I want to hear what you, what trends you're noticing, but at least for me, I feel like it's starting earlier than ever. Um, November 1st was like Christmas trees yeah. <laughs> were up and lights were up. And so I guess, how does that, are you noticing that? And how does that impact the way brands are approaching the holidays this year? Yeah. You know, the, uh, a few things, one, just on the timing piece, um, uh, I've started to see some retailers even start as soon as September and, um, the more social aspects of trying to drive holiday ads and social media, which is crazy because it's still hot in September, at least where I live. Um, <laughs> it's still summer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then you see a lot more come in, come online in October. It's interesting is that though, you know, still the majority of customers or, or consumers are still looking to shop mostly in that November timeframe. So about 40% are looking to shop in November. Um, and even of those that do do their shopping prior to November, like in October, September, October, only about a quarter of those shoppers are completing their full shopping list. So what that means is even though retailers are still moving out earlier, the battleground for holiday really is in that November and December timeframe. So it's still kind of good to know if you wait, like I wait till December like 20th to do most of my shopping, but it's a little <laughs> compared to most consumers, but the, but that is really where the things are, things are happening earlier and it's shifting earlier this year than previous years. I think I think the two things we've seen from that of why is one is there's a a concern of of inflation and consumers have been triggered on that to say hey 
will inflation increase? Therefore, if I wait longer, will prices go up? And then also through the pandemic, through all the supply chain issues, a lot of consumers have been you know, trained that to not rely on, you know, shipping times to be consistent. And so some some consumers, not not all, small segment of them are trying to buy, you know, earlier just to just to be safe in that in that approach. Mm. On inflation, are you expecting a more tempered holiday season because of that? Are consumers going to spend less? Are they being more cautious? Like, what are you seeing from the consumer spending perspective? Yeah, I actually think that that's the biggest question on all of our clients' minds, all the retailers we talk to minds is how will consumers spend this year? Um, will they finally cave to the inflation pressures and this will be a lackluster holiday? Or will consumers continue to buck the inflation trend that that's, that they've had for the most of the year so far and will have a strong holiday? I think from our standpoint, the research that we've done and the reason why it's so hard to know is that the consumer has, it's almost a tale of two mindsets. So on one side, the consumer is in a state of what we call polycrisis, which is they've gone through so many traumatic events recently from the pandemic to social unrest, war, and, uh, you know, and overseas to, of course, inflation. And what that's done is it's really exhausted the consumer. And the thing that they're really looking most for from brands is they want more joy in their life. So we're seeing more expectations from brands and retailers to, to provide that joy. And as such, some are predicting that that will turn into some level of retail therapy, if you will. And so mm. McKinsey believes that 64% of consumers are wanting to splurge this upcoming holiday season. So that's kind of on the optimistic side. On the other side is the more you know financial realities, which is inflation is still hurting consumers. 88% of Gen Z consumers are expected to trade down. Um, and about two-thirds of shoppers say that they'll buy fewer holiday items this year um, and that they'll be mostly buying on sale. So we'll see. Um, I tend to think the first side is probably more more accurate. I do think consumers are probably going to continue to to push against inflation. I do think that they're looking for a moment of joy in their life. And I do think that they'll probably support. So I think this will probably beat most analyst expectations, but you know, it's anyone's guess at this point. Yeah. There's been a shift in the past year with consumer spending on experiences, right? Versus products, because we can, again, we can go out, we can go to concerts, we can travel. How do you see that impacting holiday spend? Are people going to do more like holiday vacations versus you know, a big gift? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. There's, um, I think a couple things. One, in general, a lot of consumers are going to be buying things that are more intentional and practical. So on the non-experienced side, you know, if like say apparel, instead of buying a one-off clothing item, you may want to buy an item that you can wear multiple times throughout the year. But I did see in the research, uh, one kind of hilarious trend from Gen Zers related to experiences, which is they are trying to gift experiences, but they're gifting experiences in which they also participate, which I think is hilarious. So, you know, <laughs> it's like, don't just give a, a concert ticket to someone else, get them too. And you, you know, one of them is intended for them. you to go with them, uh, which I thought is uh, quite smart uh, from the Gen Zer standpoint. So I do think, you know, experiences is going to be a big part of it. Uh, definitely over, more luxurious discretionary items. I think consumers in general, not even just Gen Zers, would prefer more experiences. Another trend that might be impacting holiday shopping is that, you know, 
companies like Amazon now have these retail holidays like Prime Day. I mean, it's not new, but they have sort of pushed it into October and people are because of inflation and because they can, they're, they're buying things really early. Right. So does that sort of like, is holiday shopping now taking place throughout the year? And how does that kind of complicate like the way brands budget for this season? Yeah. I mean, Amazon's done a great job of that, right. Is to kind of creating their own holidays. Um, and, uh, consumers have absolutely responded to it. Um, you know, I think the question is, you know, when they do go through those moments, are they buying it for themselves or are they buying it intentionally for the upcoming holiday season? I do expect it, it probably does shift a considerable amount of uh, holiday spending, uh, forward into those, you know, prime day moments or big deals days that Amazon does. So I'm sure it does shift some share into that. Uh, but I do think from the research we're saying, most consumers still are completing most of their purchases in that November and December timeframe. Um, uh, so we'll see. The thing right. I do love though, about what Amazon does, which other retailers are behind is that they are great at creating deals that are personalized to the shopper. Um, and this is where AI has done a, it's kind of has an invisible hand within, within retailing is that you don't really see AI come to the forefront, but it's, it really is there behind the scenes, understanding your buying habits, understanding what you want, making personalized recommendations accordingly. Um, I've seen, um, stat to say, you know, from a holiday timeframe up to 35% of Amazon per- holiday purchases are driven through Amazon's personal recommendation, uh, engine. Which is huge, right? That's a massive mm-hmm. amount of, of of sales, and I just don't see any other retailer at that same level in terms of harnessing AI to create that personalization effect. So Amazon's really smart. I mean, they've done the, both to what you talked about, which is creating their own holidays and then using some of that data to help them create better personalized recommendations throughout the rest of the the, the year. Yeah, well, that's a good segue into like how retailers are approaching the holiday season. Obviously, Black Friday is coming up. Um, that's a huge in-store and online shopping day. First, what are you kind of expecting to see on Black Friday, both in terms of like the way consumers want to shop and the way retailers present their offerings? And then maybe we can get into some of the more new ways consumers are buying and how retailers are, are meeting those needs in terms of like recommendations and, and things like that. Yeah. Well, it's funny, you know, when we were kids, if you think about that time frame, what retailers had to do to to win, it was pretty simple. Uh, it was all about what merchandise they had, um, what discounts they had and what time they opened. <laughs> like That was the, the drama. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, they're, you know, Target or whomever is opening even on Thanksgiving Day, and that's when they're trying to bring Black Friday forward. If you fast forward to today, retailers have to compete on so many more facets, right? So they have to not only compete just on price, just like everyone else. They also have to have more of an omni-channel approach. They have to think about how their store is open, you know, in not just their .retailer.com, but also their social channels. They have to think through all the different delivery mechanics that are in play now um, and how those can compete with each other in terms of same day delivery, next day delivery. Even return policies are under a lot of pressure. I've seen some retailers even offer up to four months of a window of, of return. So there's a lot more facets of what needs to be competitive to win that shopper trip during that Black Friday timeframe. Um, also, we're seeing a lot of consumers be less loyal to an individual retailer. Um, again, in the past, it was much more about 
if you won the trip, you won the majority of their of their shopping. I think that's changing now. Uh, consumers are channel surfing. They're buying from lots of different retailers. They can use the digital and e-commerce part to help them with that. So all those things are creating a significant amount of change. But what's fascinating is, you know, as we saw digital really take over, e-commerce take over, I would wonder a lot of times to say, is this going to completely take over? Will the in-store mm-hmm. environment start to go away and have a very mooted impact on the retail experience? And I'm seeing some experts say that they expect for the first time in 15 years, this is the year in which e-commerce growth will slow. doesn't mean it's going away, that it's not growing, but it does signal that we're hitting a moment of maturity with e-commerce. And with that, we still know that a you know, majority of consumers are still going to be shopping in-store. So I think that the prediction overall is I do think in-store will always be a very important part of the retail shopping experience. It's just going to be a more connected omni-channel component. So we'll see. I think uh, it's definitely a different type of Black Friday experience than that we've had um, in many years past, but it'll probably just be an evolution of what we've seen in recent years. Yeah, I mean... Black Friday shopping is not necessarily pleasant, right? Like going to the store and like kind of fighting with people for the items you want. So do you see, has e-commerce surpassed retail sales for Black Friday? And do you expect that to like ever happen if not? Um, I don't, I don't think it probably will. I mean, I kind of, what I said before, I think it's, it is starting to, to mature. I mean, I definitely could be wrong, but to your point, what you said too of Black Friday is an interesting uh, shopping experience from a consumer standpoint. You know, one of the things that we always look at is the emotional drivers behind a shopping trip. And you know, a lot of times, depending on the category, it's like if you're in an electronics category, one of the emotional drivers there is dreaming, right? A lot of times consumers like to go, they like to see all the big screen TVs, they like to, even if they have no intention of purchasing right then, there's always this moment of what would this look like? How would my life change based on this? And there's a whole wide range of emotions. There's mastery. Um, there's you know cost savings. There's tons of different things. Black Friday is one of the only uh, times where you see a different emotional driver come out, which we like to call is sport. <laughs> and <laughs> it, it's a comp- it's almost a competitive environment uh, where you've got to you know it's like you got to like you know elbow the customer next to you in the face and fight over you know the merchandise and try to get there first. So you know for some consumers I think that can be a turnoff, but for others that are super competitive, that kind of brings that side out of them, uh, which is I think quite funny. Yeah, I mean if you need to get your aggression out, I guess go to a. <laughs> So what else are you noticing about the holiday season that that I haven't asked about? I mean, I know like buy online, pick up in store is big. Like what are certain hybrid ways consumers might be shopping this year? Yeah, I mean, they're they're definitely, you know, going, you know, across the board on 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 how they're shopping and, and, and what they're buying. Um, I think, you know, if you just kind of go down maybe more interesting is talk about how each retailer specifically is trying to, to go and win. I think we talked a little bit about Amazon um, with their focus on personalization in those, their own days. I think what will be interesting, what I'm going to be fascinated to watch is target. Um, you know, they're really trying to get consumers to focus on more than the necessities. Uh, but they had a really hard year last year. I mean, if they're a, they're a brand and a retailer that's all about impulse but in light of consumers who are really 
tightening their belt and not putting much so much discretionary purchase that really hurts their business model. And last year they had a huge amount of markdowns and inventory issues uh, because of that. So I think that'll be interesting to see how do they change this year, um, knowing that they had such a hard year last year. Um, and we know that they've already missed their quarterly sales for 23, um, for, for Q3. So I'm interested to see what they're doing. I mean, I think that they're trying to win with more affordability and exclusive uh, products. So that's that's what they're doing. Walmart, on the other hand, seems to be more about trying to expand capability. So they're trying to focus on how do I create more opportunities for our consumers to shop and to buy. So they're introducing like late night pickup, uh, what, uh, pickup and delivery, which I think is fascinating. They're also trying to do more live shopping, I think, as a means to compete with with TikTok. So that, that'll be fascinating, but that kind of leads to that last one, which I think is probably the most interesting, which is TikTok itself. Um, in, in Asia and other markets, they've already had e-commerce capabilities there. And TikTok is a huge retailer, not just a online social media destination. And this is the first year where they brought those retailing capabilities to the US. Um, so that's where the retailer I'm focused on the most to see how will they do in this first holiday season? Uh, the core means in which we see that they're focused on is deep discounts of so 50% off certain select items. Again, live shopping is really big. I thought this was probably going to be the biggest disruptor for the holiday season, but everything I'm seeing right now makes me realize that they probably aren't there yet. Well, a lot, kind of an overwhelming amount of it's more individual consumers pushing more kind of what I would call drop shipping items. You know, things that are not great quality, um, they're all kind of weirdo gadgets and stuff like that. They're things that they can ship from you know China directly to consumer. And it just feels like overrun right now with mm. a lot of those experiences. So they just don't feel like they're on the same maturity uh, curve that other retailers on. But I do think it's going to be pretty disruptive uh, potentially over time. And so you can see retailers like Walmart trying to copy some of what their capabilities are and bring those into their own. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they're still emerging, but definitely a lot of potential to disrupt. And I know live stream shopping hasn't really taken off in the U.S. the way it has in Asia. So yeah. maybe they're the ones who will make it happen. You do bring up a good point, though, which is social shopping. I mean, yeah. I personally buy things off Instagram all the time. Like, exactly. how does that yeah. kind of fit into the media mix for your advertisers this time of year? Yeah, I think um, it's not as much as it should be. I think it's mm. it's we're we're going to see some manufacturers and brands really figure it out, and I think they'll be extremely successful on it. Every early test that we've done, uh, where you know we're calling social commerce, mm -hmm. which can be a wide range of executions, but we're seeing that ideas that are born in social but yet have a seamless connection to some type of uh, environment, uh, uh, retail environment are probably the highest ROI campaigns that we've, we've executed. Um, and so uh, allow, cause we'll, for a few reasons, one uh, consumers are more receptive on social than you'd think as it relates to shopping. It's really great discovery, really, really great discovery. And that is an important part, especially of holiday shopping. Uh, so I would be really focused on that. Um, uh, and consumers do buy off of it. Like, like you said, but winning on some of these social destinations requires a very, very different go-to-market strategy for brands. Um, so if you compare that, like I think the polar opposite would be what a lot of 
brands and retailers do in the UK, where they create this epic commercial that costs them multi-million dollars. They're beautiful and they're wonderful pieces of film, but it's one piece of film um, versus I think with social, it's not about quality. I think it honestly is about quantity. Mm-hmm. I would have almost a studio environment where I'm creating hundreds and hundreds of pieces of content that starts in September and goes all the way up through December. Um, and you're thinking about every single day, what's the latest trend? What's the latest conversation that's happening? How do I work with a you know bevy of influencers to have this almost a constant push of content that's coming out, telling stories about my products and things of that nature? I think that's the way to do it and do it right. Mm-hmm. But it's a that most brands don't have that capability, right? They don't really mm-hmm. have those studios. They don't really think in those, they think in campaigns still, not necessarily mm-hmm. in micro pieces of content that they're constantly putting out. The kind of last thing I'll say on that too is it almost have to start different too in terms of the ideas that work in social. Um, a lot of times when we think about how to create a big idea, it's always consumer insight, some big communication platform or hook or line, and you build a story around it. TikTok and other places, you're usually starting with a sound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, you find a popular sound and you're like, how do I tell a story around this sound um, versus the traditional way of working? Well, so it's I think it's highly disruptive, but it's also pretty complex and really different. Um, and so it's going to take some time for brands to, to figure it out. But I'm excited by it. That's probably the area I'm most excited about. I know as an agency, that's where we're building most of our capabilities for the future. It's probably our biggest bet for where mm. it's going to be for um, the next kind of next over the next five years. Interesting. What about, I mean, retail media is also huge and there's another component of this. Talk about how that kind of fi- factors in and where you see growth potential there. Because I feel like all the media money is like going into retail media, at least from all the forecasts that I see. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think it's not to, to a lot of brands discomfort. It's grown uh, a huge amount. Um, so for some, for some brands, you know, it's, it's, rep, it is their number one area of spend is retail media, which is, I think, crazy to think about say five years ago um, uh, to see it's, it's explosive growth. I think with, with its spend though, there's a lot of discomfort around with brands about how fast it's grown and mm. is it really paying out the way it should? I think most of you ask most brands, they would say on the search side, it is. But the problem with search is it can get to diminishing returns fairly quickly. So you do need to be there. Uh, it is effective, but you can't just put unlimited funds there. You do need to uh, realize that there's kind of some, there's an optimal level there. I think from the rest of the media spend, the merchants and retailers are, are uh, they have gold in what they have with the first party data, especially in a upcoming Cogulus world, but it is expensive. It is very expensive. And so there's always going to be a cost benefit analysis of any, any media dollar that's spent. So I think what we're starting to see is a tipping point of how brands are kind of evaluating their retail media uh, components. In the past, it kind of was more of an obligation to spend there. Whereas, and they feel like they have to spend also just from a testing and learning and they could see the benefit potential. But now we're starting to see brands holding retailers to more performance accountability to say the media dollars that we're spending here, they have to still perform, you know, at parity or, or, or hopefully better than the other media options that are available in the marketplace. And I think that pressure is good, right? It's pressure that it'll, it'll make the retailer capabilities better. 
Um, they still have a lot to, to go in terms of standardization. It's really hard for a brand to compare their performance between retailers because everyone has different attribution windows. They have different metrics that they're looking at. And then probably last but not least is a lot of focus is on incrementality. There's a kind of a question in the back of most brands' minds is to say, am I just advertising to people who are going to buy my product anyway? Um, and versus what, you know, what incremental c- customers will this bring that in? So I know I kind of went through a lot of doom and gloom on that, but that is kind of the sentiment that's there is just, it's just this move of needing higher levels of accountability and hoping that, you know, it will get there. And I think it will. Yeah. I mean, it seems like the hype cycle might be. Exactly. They're going to that trough of disillusionment. It'll probably not yeah. be as deep as, as some other things, but uh, that is definitely the, they're kind of, mm. I think, in my opinion, and not everyone shares this, but I do think that they're potentially past the hype cycle and we're going to start moving away from just thinking about optimization to how do we get to true, you know, uh, uh, higher heightened levels of ROI. Interesting. So you mentioned you're focusing a lot on social commerce. That's kind of like the next frontier for you guys. Obviously, commerce is a big buzzword and a lot of media agencies are now moving into the space. We saw Omnicom make a big commerce acquisition recently. How do you keep the specialized commerce offering relevant as it kind of permeates into other what other agencies are doing? Yeah, great question. You know, it's, it is definitely uh, an area where every agency is focused on, for sure. There is a lot of parity in Me Too, I would say, to be honest, within the space. So what we're trying to do is, one, focus on what we're good at and focus on things that we know works for clients. Um, and uh, let if there's other vendors that are just great at some aspect of retail media, let's just partner with them versus trying to do everything all the time uh, and be great at what we're good at. The area that we feel that is most undervalued right now is the creative component within retail media. Um, and we have the data to prove it. So we went and looked at um, almost every retail media campaign that we've executed where, where the buyers are not the buyers of the retail media plan. And then we were to rank to say, what are the uh, ones that embrace creativity? And there was an idea behind the campaign versus when it was just content. And there's a lot that it's overwhelming. It's just it's media plan first, just find existing content, execute that versus kind of starting with a great idea that's consumer first and building on there. And what we do is that delta between the two, we call it the creative multiplier effect. And what we've seen is that range can be from anywhere from 10% to 400%, which is a huge range. But what that means is it just represents the chasm between a bad idea and a transformational idea. And so I, you know, retail media, when it does embrace creativity as a part of that planning, not all of it, but is a big important part, we've seen it outperform retail media campaigns that, that kind of diminish the value of creativity. Mm. So I'll give you a good, good example. It's one that um, I love. It's from uh, General Mills that we just, just did. And it was for uh, Lucky Charms. And so Lucky Charms, a brief was help us win with um, Gen Zers. It's a, a underdeveloped demographic. Everyone wants to win with Gen Z anyway. And you leverage our retail media partners and plans as part of this program. And so we had this, you know, the brand's all about luck, right? Lucky Charms. And so we started thinking about what is the Gen Z's relationship with luck. And we found this great stat. There's like 45% of Gen Zers use astrology to plan their finances, which is hilarious and awful at the same time. Oh it just makes me nervous for this future generation, but yeah. it is what it is. And so we did this really fun campaign where uh, we worked with uh, TikTok influencers uh, who were um, 
you know, astrology and fortune tellers. And based on how you poured your bowl of cereal of Lucky Charms, which marshmallows showed up at the surface would basically create a fortune telling reading for you, uh, which is hilarious. And it's super fun. And so that's a great idea built on a consumer insight, but then executed through retail media versus just, Mm -hmm. you know, showing a generic buy Lucky Charms at Walmart, you know, ad that campaign had a huge impact um, and huge uh, growth, you know, ROI uh, multiplier effect versus just doing it the standard way. So that's that's kind of mm-hmm. what we mean by, you know, the creativity is, is an undervalued asset of, of retail media. We have great retail media planners. We have great um, data and capability. All of those things matter, too. But we just think it, it's, it should be included um, as part of that, that total mm-hmm. mix. Yeah, it definitely gets you to a different outcome. That's for sure. So as you kind of push into these new spaces, obviously, VML, YNR recently announced the merger with Wonderman Thompson, which is going to lead to a lot of changes at the agency. How do you see commerce, you know, existing there? And where where do you see the future of, of your team and your company within that? Well, the first thing is I'm excited that we're shortening the name to v- just VML. <laughs> if this was VML, YNR, Wonderman Thompson, I think... I think I, I, most of our clients would would That'd quit be on an us overkill. Uh, if they could handle the extra letters. So, I, so one that's a automatically an immediate positive. Uh, you know, it's it's funny uh, the uh, there you know VML, YNR, and Wonderman Thompson were both amazing and quite large companies in of their own right. But there was actually as we start to come together, realize it was way more complementary um, capability. Then there was overlap, especially, I would say, in commerce. Uh, we really just had different strategies uh, where we were focused more on the creative aspect with a huge uh, bench strength in CPG. Wonderman Thompson, their capabilities were much more on the technology side. So in terms of building e-commerce platforms, much stronger in D2C, totally different uh, client base in terms of who that was, who that they were working with, and even within those clients, you know, where we would typically be on the CMO side, a lot of times they're working with a CTO. So in those sense, it really just makes us uh, stronger and more in the end in our commerce capabilities. Um, and so we can do everything from those kind of big campaign ideas within within retail to foundational enablement, um, apps and marketplaces, capabilities, things of that nature. Um, so that that really helps a lot. And then the people are just really lovely. So I just really enjoy getting to know our counterparts and, and going through through that to try and uh, figure out how we, how we really stitch this together to create a one plus one equals three for our clients. Okay. Um, so before we go, leave us with one thing you are excited to purchase this holiday season. Oh gosh. Um, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I haven't even thought about it. So one, I'm like the worst gift giver, uh, uh, or gift receiver. Cause I'm like one of those that just, if I ever want something, I just buy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I usually tell everyone to not get me any gifts. Um, and usually they don't because they've given up. So I, I would say, honestly, it's going to be something to do with food. Like mm. I'm just excited to buy, the ingredients for an amazing uh, Thanksgiving dinner. I love to help my mom cook. Um, it's kind of a lame answer, but it's it's an honest one. Uh, that's what I'm looking for. I love to it. Almost. We don't need things all the time, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's okay to cook exactly. with your mom. All right. Well, thank you so much, Tyler. Um, yeah. Thanks for coming on the podcast. And yeah, looking forward to uh, 
seeing what happens this season. Absolutely. Thank you, Allison. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening to Campaign Chemistry. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and head to campaignlive.com for all the latest news on advertising and marketing. 